Once again, welcome back to Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Okay, this has never happened before. Actually, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, we're, we're having some difficulty getting connected up to our, our next uh, contributor. Uh, that was uh, John Hartley. So I'm watching for him to, to join in on, on the program. But I want to, to share with you a little bit of background about what uh, John and I will be discussing. And it's an article published on uh, nationalreview.com. The U.S. can help Venezuelans escape hyperinflation. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background here because John has a co-author on this piece, and that is a young man by the name of Daniel DiMartino. Now, I got a chance to meet Daniel DiMartino. I think it was about three years ago in Atlanta, Georgia, at a Foundation for Economic Education event. This was their their annual FECON. And Daniel is... Not only a super impressive young man, terrific, uh, terrific student, and uh, and just just really a, a good, decent person, but uh, he also speaks firsthand about a lot of the stuff that he saw taking place in uh, Venezuela. And I mean, do you want to talk persuasive? It is incredible. Now I'm joined by John Hartley, who co-authored this article with Daniel and uh, John. Good to connect up with you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian, for having me. So. I'm looking at this article and I'm seeing this headline, the U.S. can help Venezuelans escape hyperinflation. And uh, and I'm thinking maybe this would be a good thing to know. We're seeing a little bit of inflation, right? We're seeing noticeable inflation. But um, if, if hyperinflation is is headed our way, not only would I think that we you know, know how to deal with it, but um, the Venezuelans have been putting up with this for quite some time, haven't they? Walk us through the history of, of what uh, what has happened to Venezuela and its uh, its monetary system. Yeah, no, absolutely. And th- thanks again for having me. I think what's happened in Venezuela is, is quite interesting and quite um, uh, rare that we see hyperinflations uh, to this degree in the world uh, in this era. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of policymakers have, have learned the old adage that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. That was uh, you know, a famous Bill Friedman saying. And so in Venezuela, um, you know, we often when we think about hyperinflations, you know, we might think back to you know, Weimar Germany and some of these instances in Europe in the early 20th century. But uh, more recently, you know, we've seen uh, instances of hyperinflation in, in places like Zimbabwe uh, and now Venezuela. And effectively, what um, what triggers a hyperinflation is uh, when a government starts using uh, its central bank as effectively a printing press to an exorbitant degree. And so typically this happens when, you know, there, there's some sort of, uh, you know, an autocratic government that, of some form that, that's in control. And that's exactly what, what happened with uh, first uh, the Hugo Chavez regime and then um, shortly after uh, when uh, when Maduro took over. And so this started happening uh, in, in uh, largely the, the middle of the 2010s uh, when hyperinflation started to really get out of control uh, in, in Venezuela. Uh, and, and so, uh, and again, you know, they uh, primarily, you know, they're an oil-based uh, economy, um, but, uh, the, you know, the, the, the government there um, amidst, you know, becoming more, uh, chronic and, and certainly facing more sanctions from the world, um, sorry, you know, resorted to um, printing uh, money. And over time, what happened is, um, you know, people didn't want to use uh, the Bolivar anymore. And what, what's happened is solely they've been transitioning to the U.S. dollar. And this is a process called what we call dollarization. 
And this actually happened before and, and um, after various hyperinflations in various countries in South America. So, for example, Ecuador and, and El Salvador uh, both use the U.S. dollar. They're, they're dollarized economies. And dollarization is actually a, a good thing in the sense that it is a solution to hyperinflation. And the point that Daniel and I were trying to make is just that um, you know we can help uh, hyper uh, we can help Venezuelans get access to U.S. dollars, um, especially with some of the tools that we have in the 21st century now. A lot of Venezuelans are using apps like Zelle, uh, so, uh, a lot of these payment apps, um, uh, to pay for things in U.S. dollars, while they actually have bank accounts in the U.S. A surprising amount of Venezuelans have bank accounts in the U.S. Uh, you know, they are uh, fairly close to uh, fairly close to us geographically. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and so the idea is that, you know, we can sort of loosen some regulations to help Venezuelans get, uh, get ITIN numbers, which are required to start a U.S. bank account so that they could start them abroad uh, and, and keep uh, their cash in U.S. dollars there and, and effectively pay for things uh, using that U.S. bank account, using an app like Zelle or something like that. John, how hard is it for for someone in Venezuela to to be able to to do? I mean, what kind of um, legal um, or political hurdles are there for a person to be able to access you know those U.S. dollars? It, it, it is pretty difficult um, in the sense that um, you know if if you don't have a, a U.S. bank, and a lot of people are are, are unbanked and, and using uh, you know, cash only. You know, there's sort of a limited amount of, of U.S. dollars uh, in uh, Venezuela, um, in part because of sanctions. Uh, a lot of the U.S. dollar cash that gets there actually gets there through Colombia mm-hmm. um, or occasionally through um, through illicit means. Um, but um, it, it's actually a fairly difficult. And, and uh, but a, a surprising fraction. Uh, have US, uh, had U.S. bank accounts um, prior to this and, and, and have since started using new apps like Zelle and others. A smaller fraction have used things like cryptocurrency. And I'm sure a lot of uh, your listeners are, are sort of interested in this topic. And, and certainly those that uh, are, are, you know, have spoken at length about cryptocurrency have often cited that one of the benefits of uh, a digital currency or a cryptocurrency uh, of, of some form, whether you know it's a uh, you know digital U.S. dollar that be backed by the U.S. government or or something like Bitcoin, uh, you know cryptocurrency, is that ultimately you know, they could move out of uh, uh, you know hyperinflated currency and, and move into a crypto. And so there's a little bit of evidence, but not a whole ton. Obviously, Bitcoin is a very very volatile on uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, if there was a, a, a digital dollar that was backed by the U.S. government, I'd imagine that the, you'd probably see a lot more of that. Uh, and if it were easy for Venezuelans to get access to that, uh, I, I, you, you'd certainly see that become very popular. Uh, again, you know, we don't have the, the Fed uh, doesn't uh, have a, a digital dollar yet. And so that, that's one of the benefits that, uh, that people suggested. What would be the benefit to the U.S. by by stepping in and doing this? Does this does this help us? Does this help our dollar? I, I yeah I, I think it, it, it does um, you, you know I, I think it, it's um, I, I think primarily I think it's, it's a humanitarian benefit but um, I, I would argue that you know there's a secondary benefit uh, to having uh, the world's reserve currency so you know the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency what exactly does that mean um, it means a few things um, one it means that um, uh, one uh, most central banks around the world have some U.S. dollars on the uh, on their balance sheet. Two, uh, a, a most prices and, and goods and trade are invoiced 
in U.S. dollars, even though, um, say, the U.S. You know, uh, money supply makes up like say twenty percent of the world's money supply. Uh, you know, over half of the world's goods are are, uh, in, in, are actually quoted in U.S. dollars. And so what that means is that the U.S. can actually uh, have more room to borrow at slightly lower interest rates and can can benefit from having some additional fiscal space. So, you know, arguably, you know, part of the reason why we're not seeing interest rates uh, higher than they are uh, in the U.S. despite all this borrowing is because of this uh, reserve currency stats that the U.S. has. So arguably, you know, extending some U.S. dollars to Venezuela could strengthen that more. Okay. And I, I, again, I want to give a shout out to your co-author on this article in National Review on this subject, uh, Daniel DiMartino. Um, hearing him describe, and I, I got to hear this from, you know, right from, from him uh, when I met him a, a few years ago, uh, hearing him describe what has happened to his country, what has happened to their currency, what it takes just to survive, to feed yourself and your family. I mean, we, we have no idea. So... The humanitarian side of this, I think, is 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 that's a pretty noble cause there when you consider what they're going through. And, you know, sounds like a great idea. Where can people find out more about you and the work that you do, John? Oh, thank you. And thank you again for having me. You know, the, uh, I've got a website uh, that uh, Jonathan Hartley dot uh, net. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, John underscore Hartley underscore. Uh, someone acted there. I know Daniel's on Twitter as well, and, and Daniel's a, a, a terrific follow on all issues of Venezuela. Uh, I, I can't uh, give him enough good praise uh, for. He's the real um, deal. Like, he's 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 yeah, very absolutely. genuine. All right, absolutely. John. That is all the time we have. Thank you so much, though. I hope we talk again soon. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Appreciate it. 